With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week, as usual, I'm joined by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. We've had a week off, mainly down to me having a bit of a cough. I've still got it, but I'll soldier on this week, mainly because we've won again. Twice, actually, since we last recorded. We're now seven points clear of the bottom three, thanks to that most recent win over Brighton. Lads, the question is, are we ever going to lose a game again? (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll probably get beat tight this twice this week. To be honest, <laughs> um, I yeah, it's it's great. I mean, the thing is, they're, they're very contrasting games. I mean, everything that could have gone well against Brentford with the early red card and then season control, like we did, was just perfect. I mean, I was in the away end, actually, relatively composed throughout the game. It was that was weird, and then the Brighton game was anything but really. Um, probably the weakest performance in the run, but we got the win, which is vital and. Being able to grind out results when you don't play well is amazing because before that, if you think we had to do everything right just to get a chance of winning, you know, the way that Eddie Howe's got the team going and they're so much fitter than they were is just so commendable. And that's the reason why you can win games like Brighton when you're not when you're not at 100%, which we definitely weren't. Yeah, again, um, whenever we start this opening thing, I always go, yeah, I agree with Dan. Yeah, I agree with Dan. Yeah, I agree with Dan. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, again, I agree with Dan. Brentford was was just everything that we wanted this team to be. It was calm, collected, composed, and we attacked with such ferocity that um, because they're in such a slump, and yeah, of course they won they won uh, this weekend. That 
we just battered them in terms of confidence and composure. Now, you look at Brighton and it was kind of like the Newcastle of before, um, where we started getting nervy and giving the ball away and our pass accuracy was awful. Um, but what we didn't do was completely bottle it. Now, obviously, the statistic that gets thrown out all the way through the season is that Newcastle are the team that have lost the most points from winning positions. And since Eddie Howe's mm-hmm. taken over and this eight-game run, we're actually the team that has not lost the, the most points from winning positions. Um, we're still second in the form table behind the mighty Liverpool. So long may it continue. I don't know what it's like to lose a game. Let's carry on. Yeah, I mean, I must say, like obviously the performance at the weekend, it wasn't the best. But you've got to put into consideration, yes, Brighton have now lost four in a row, but they're still a very, very good football inside. And I think we're all under the same consensus here that it was nice just to see us play average and still win. Because we've seen in the past with this side, we've played out our skins and picked up a point. It just shows that we don't have to play amazing to win games now. And that is, for me, what good football teams do. Yeah, and I think the comments that John Shelby made particularly interest me because he came out and actually apologised for his performance. And to me, that just like speaks volumes for how the standards have gone up at the football club over recent weeks because it to my obviously untrained eye John Justelvi didn't play bad he, he was a solid 6 7 out of 10 yeah. like he, sure, sure he wasn't as good as he's been recently but he he didn't do a lot wrong for, for me in my opinion so the fact that he's coming out saying that he needs to be better than that I just think it's brilliant and I think John Justelvi's attitude is something that's been questioned over the years but he's got a manager that's motivating him at the minute and motivating the rest of them and it's, it's just so apparent. It really is. I agree with all of that, what you've just said there, Dan. Um, and what you said, Harry, about the fact that we it was nice to win when we were average. But I, I hated that he made a statement. I absolutely really? hated it. I despised okay. it. We, 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 we won the game. Like, yeah, he played. He wasn't overly the best John Joe Shelby in the world. So all he needs to do to, um, like, Eddie Howe or anybody like that is say, right, I'll do the pre-match thing. He'd say, he may maybe say it in pre-match or anything like that. But if we'd lost the game, yes, put out the statement saying, all right, lads, apologies, I wasn't the best today and doing that lot. But we won the game. Like, l- look back on it and go, right, maybe, yeah, and do that lot. But there's no need to apologise to a fan base. Yeah, it's really great. Yes, it's amazing that, like, it, it, it's better for his attitude, as Dan said, that it's been questioned all there. But personally, for me, I just sort of thought it was completely pointless. I disagree with Alex, to be fair. I think that's quite harsh. Um, I did agree it was a bit strange. Like, my first reaction was like, he doesn't need to apologise. But then, I just feel like it's it's all about standards for me. And that, John Shelby felt he felt below his personal standards. And if he wants to come out and say, acknowledge that to the fans, I, I think that's a good thing rather than something that I'm going to criticise him for for me I think it's it's quite refreshing to see because I think you know Shelby we've all kind of criticised his attitude in the past and especially after that Spurs game you know the takeover match where he, he came on and got sent off I think a lot of people were happy to never mm-hmm. see him play for the club again and like you said it just shows that the, the standards have raised around the club and I also think as well like to be honest if one of them is going to get dropped for Bruno it's going to be Shelby and maybe he recognises that and is maybe, you know, with increased competition in the side, he's worried about his place in the side. And if I'm being honest, would I start Bruno over Shelby against Southampton? I, I probably would based off the evidence of that performance. I don't know whether you guys feel the same there as well. Or do you stick with that, you know, three that have went on this great run? 
I would change it personally, but um, not for the reason of John Joe Shelby playing poorly. Um, I, I would change it for more of a petty reason, and that uh, that is due to Ralph Hasenhutl's comments over the January transfer window <laughs> about the fact Excellent that... Excellent point. Oh, I can't can, wait to get on the ballot. We can buy six players, and like, that's the reason why they, we're going to have a rejuvenated squad, and oh, oh wait, well, it got cancelled anyway, and now it's going to be there. So I, I was really looking forward to Eddie Howe starting Bruno Gomeris for that game, just to go, yeah, we've saved him. And we've wound him up like a, a wind-up toy. Now we're just going to let him go free against you guys and absolutely torture Romeo. Yeah, that's what we're going to do with our £40 million man. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. That's the only reason I want um, Bruno Gomeris to start. Not because John Joe Shelby was poor, just because it'd be really funny to watch Ralph Hasenhaut will be really deflated after the post-match um, press conference. It's a fantastic thought that I'd not even considered, but the reason that I would probably play him is for a much less petty reason and that's because we've got a lot of games coming up and you say midfield three have played quite a lot John just there's questions over has he got the legs to do three games in a week willick um probably plays because he's the one that got the most legs and even joe linton i think we've seen him go down quite a few times it wouldn't surprise me if he's carrying a knock the amount that he puts himself about so if there's any risk of any of those three doesn't matter which one of them are which one of them it is being injured or at risk of being more injured, I think it's it's common sense. You bring Bruno in, the forty million pound man. You're not gonna you're not gonna see a drop down in quality. I don't think. I mean, Howe did say in his press conference after the game that quite a few of the players were carrying knocks, and Ryan Fraser was one of them, and I imagine probably Joe Linton's one as well. And you know, Shelby's apologised for his performance. Howe's still a big fan of Sean Longstaff as well. I think you know every opportunity where. People talk about the midfield. He always brings up Sean Longstaff. So, honestly, it would not surprise me if Bruno and Longstaff both came into the side. But we'll get on to Southampton a little bit later. We've got a bit of a special preview for this game and we've got a guest coming on. So, it's all very nice. But we have to talk about Ryan Fraser. I mean, it's been such a, it was such a good week for him. A goal and an assist at the weekend. Probably man of the match other than you know Dan Byrne. And nominated for the Premier League's Player of the Month award. And... We've always said about Fraser, we all said at the start of the season as well, he is going to be the one to watch. He is going to be the player that surprises people. And I think a lot of it comes down to improved fitness. He never had a run at Newcastle under full fitness. And now, under Eddie Howe, rejuvenated, we are reaping the rewards of his quality. Is he the £30 million player that we thought we were getting a few years ago now? I absolutely love Ryan Fraser. I've defended this man when others said he was he was a waste of space and he was, his delivery has always been spot on and like I, ju- I knew once he got a run again his quality would show and I'm so so happy I've improved right on this one because the way he's playing is fantastic 30 million pound yeah easy and the rest like he's just he's playing out of his skin and to be honest he's I really find them quite a likable player as well I mean his interviews he yeah. gives he seems like he's got a sense of humor about him he, he says it how it is, you know, he's very honest and he's in his press in the press sort of stuff that he does and yeah, I'm so happy to see him do good. Um long may it continue. Alex, are you part of the uh, Fraser fan club as well? No. But yeah, at the same time. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm the founding member to be honest. I, I'm I, I'm really happy he's doing well at Newcastle United. It, it, he needed to get out of Bournemouth for whatever reasons that they are, whether they were family or personal reasons. Um, he always maintained it was never um, like a relationship problem with Eddie Howe, and we've seen that come here. Um, and he's always 
he's had the sly digs at uh, Brucey, uh, which makes me like him so much because he just brings up the <laughs> fact of how great um, like Eddie Howe is as a trainer and how, how, how a lot of things have changed and everything like that. Um, and that's always really nice. I uh, The only problem I th- find with Ryan Fraser is, is that, is he a leader? Is he that man in the dressing room that makes other players want to find, walk through him? Or is he just really, really good so everybody else's standards go up? That's that's one of my kind of things. Is he one of them mercenary players that we've got at the club? Or is he is he really here for the project and because he believes that Newcastle can really go all the way and, and do that? Or is he still looking for that 25, 30 million pound move to Arsenal? No, if I'm being honest, I think Ryan Fraser's ceiling is Newcastle United, and that's got nothing against the player himself. I just don't think he could play for a top four side, and if he's going to, you know, play for in Europe eventually, it will be for Newcastle. I'm, I'm I'm pretty certain of that. I think a lot of people don't realise how much of a bad run he had. I mean, he came to Newcastle had six months off. I mean, obviously he'd have been training, but it's not the same as match fitness. He didn't have a preseason. He joined a week before the new season, was thrusted into the side, picked up a pile of injuries, low on confidence. It was just bad for him. And now we're finally seeing it. And of course, you know, managed by Steve Bruce, training two days a week. Under how we've seen in the past how good of a player he is, especially that season, I think in 2018 and 2019, he was, you know, peak of his powers then. We're starting to see that form again. And he's arguably Newcastle's most consistent player. I thought he was man of the match against Brentford and arguably, you know, golden assist, he was man of the match against Brighton as well. I think, Dan, you'll agree with me on that as well, won't you? Um, yeah, the fact that the Chronicle have given him two consecutive 10 out of 10 ratings is, says everything about his performances. You know, he tore Brentford apart, golden assist against Brighton. The form that he's on is just phenomenal. I mean, I, I'm his biggest fa- fan, as you know, but he, <laughs> I didn't think he, he had this level of performance in him as consistently as he has been. If he keeps it up, then he's he's a huge asset for us, not just for this season and keeping us up, but going forward, whether that be as a starting player or as a squad player, I think he's got so much to offer to the to Newcastle United project that's going to be so exciting. Um, and the fact that he had those horrible runs, probably not helped by Newcastle at the start of the season, being probably, you'd say, the unfittest team in the division. like So that has completely changed under Eddie Howe, and he's been... You'd probably say after Joe Linton, he's the player that's benefited the most from the manager coming in. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And while we're on the topic of you know players performing very well, Dan Byrne, what a signing! <laughs> I can't believe how good he is. And I think if Brighton had Dan Byrne playing at centre back on Saturday, they would have won that game. Realistically, here, how far is he off an England call up? Because I I don't think it's out of the question. It is, unfortunately. Um, uh, as much as I'd really like to see it, um, it is um, because. Who's better? Uh, okay, I I I give you the list. Um, at this present moment, in Eddie Howe's thought, uh, sorry, in Gal Southgate's thoughts, at least, um, you've got Ben White, um, you've got um, Adam Webster, the other the other Brighton centre back um, that's there. You also have Tomori for AC Milan. Um, those three lads are all above him, uh, in my opinion. And if all th- all three of those lads are injured, then yeah, by all means, get Dan burning. But until uh, until that's there, um, you are also going to have the the pickings of Conor Cody um, and Harry Maguire as well. Like th- that's just the way that the England setup works, mate. Um, especially with the expectations of England going into this winter tournament of Qatar. I think also I think as well with, with England call-ups is Southgate's always said, you know, on merit. And Dan Byrne, even at Brighton, 
was probably their best player, most consistent player, and he's brought that form to Newcastle. So I, I think, I, I would take him. I mean, obviously I've got rules tinted glasses on, but if you're rewarding players on form, give the lad a call up because he's he's top top quality. Yeah, he is. Um, he's really surprised me. I think with the England centre back situation, it, I find it quite a strange one because. There's players that consistently get in the squad that I look at and go, Dan Byrne is head and shoulders better than yeah. you. And not just in height. Like Tyrone Mings gets in there. I watch him and I think you're an accident waiting to happen. Look at Harry Maguire at the minute. He, he looks so, so average. He's in a really bad place. But will he get in ahead of Dan Byrne? He will. But then some of the names Alex mentioned that don't often get in the squad, your likes of Tamori at Milan and Ben White and Webster at Brighton. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, I'm like these players, arguably should should are should be getting in ahead of them and possibly ahead of Dan Byrne and aren't getting in. So I think there's just a complete rejig needed. And obviously, as a Newcastle fan, and it'd be great to see Dan Byrne part of that. But I just I can't see it at the minute. Um, if he keeps it up, I'd I'd love to see him go to Qatar. That'd be so good. I mean, also we don't want him to get injured. To be fair, so from a it's selfish a good perspective, I don't really want any Newcastle players getting called up. Matt Target's another one as well. I mean, this man's just been an absolute revelation since he's come here. Really, really surprised by the stance of Aston Villa fans, kind of saying like, "Look, he's he's rubbish for us and that sort of thing." I don't know what the I don't know what sort of football they're watching because I think he's he's been another absolute breath of fresh air and just showed the gulf in quality between like Matt Ritchie and you know the like the gigs of Kieran Clark and stuff we've we've had at the club at the, the first part of the season. How far superior these players are and. I think Target's got to be another one in the England question as well. Like, I, I, you can't deny him of that, can you? I think England might be a bit of the way off. I mean, England have got great fullbacks, you know, the likes yeah. of Chilwell, and even on, and even we're talking Kieran Trippier here. Southgate's a big fan of Kieran Trippier. I'm sure we are all good mm -hmm. fans of Kieran Trippier. He's probably four he chance, puts, That's the thing, isn't he? It? Put, he put, he put, because of the right backs. Gareth Southgate's actually in the past brought Trippier over to play as a left back to sort of fill a gap and he, he's just such a big fan of him that and likes him around the camp that you play him out, out of position so I think Matt Target for England's a bit bit premature but I've been really really impressed with him as I'm sure we all have he's just incredibly solid going back and he's actually got a bit going forward as well he's I mean compare him to likes of Paul Dummett going forward it's, it's night and day it really is and I think if the rumour that I've seen today is true that Newcastle can have him for £15 million just do it now time just get the deal done absolute no-brainer yeah i was just about to get onto that actually because it was something i think i don't know who's leaked it but it was in the chronicle and the gazette a few others this morning that that there's already a deal in place for for my target to come to newcastle for a fee in the region of 15 million pounds i mean 15 million pounds is absolutely nothing nowadays and we would be crazy alex wouldn't we to not get this deal wrapped up as soon as possible yeah of course like We've said so much about Matt Target over the past couple of weeks uh, on this podcast and privately between the three of us that he is he's quality, he's unreal. And um, again, what you were saying about the England stuff, yes, I, I don't really see him getting an England shout. I, unfortunately, that's yeah, that's way out of it in my opinion. But um, fifteen million pounds, I'll snap your hand off today um, for it. I, I I can't see anybody saying no to that deal. Um, Aston Villa will profit and get a little bit more money that they can spend on a, another average wide midfielder um, and we get uh, an above average centre back uh, right back sorry, left back, my god an above <laughs> average left back um, that is probably a top 10 left back in this Premier League um, defensively 100% 
yes, he, he's got a little bit of um, like offensive issues and never really been good going forward. But he's either going to have Ryan Fraser or Alan St. Maximin in front of him. He actually doesn't need to go forward really well. That's not what his job's going to be. So, yeah, give me a defensive fullback all day long if I can watch Alan St. Maximin dance through seven players because Matt Target's doing his job. Kind of moving away from you know individual players and more onto the team. Obviously, now Newcastle sit on 28 points there. Seven points clear of the bottom three. They've got a game in hand on a couple of sides. And, you know, it's all looking quite rosy now. Realistically, how many more wins are we away from safety? I think two we would get away with, but I would obviously like at least three. Yeah, I think two probably keeps us up. Three definitely does. In my opinion, I think we'll get three or more pretty comfortably the way we're playing at the minute. We've got harder games to come. I'm not I'm not denying that, but... I. I look at the fixture list and there's games against teams up there that you think, actually, at the minute, I wouldn't rule us out of get, you know going to Spurs and getting something. I wouldn't rule us out of you know beating Arsenal at home or giving them a game. And then you've got the likes of Burnley that we've still got to play and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, th- I think we'll be safe. But two, three at a push for guaranteed safety, in my opinion. Yeah, I think three. I think three is perfect. Um, for me, I think it's getting past that, past that 35, 36 point mark. Yeah. Um, and that's that. I, I can't see um, Norwich picking up another 15 points this season. I can't see Watford mm-hmm. picking up another 15 points. Burnley, Everton, Leeds. Oh, God, I, I really don't know anymore. Um, but if we get three more wins in this season, then then that's it. We've just got to beat somebody else that's below us. Um, and we've still got to play Burnley. Um, so, yeah, give us, give us another three and I think we'll be fine. Yeah, it's just unbelievable how we've got out of this some cold you know fight so quickly and you know Eddie Howe will will wax lyrical about him all day he's just been nominated for manager of the month and for me obviously biased but he's got to get it hasn't he because this is an incredible job this man has done yes he's had money yes realistically he should be keeping this team in the league but he isn't just keeping this team in the league he's doing it at an absolute canter and top 10 it can happen can't it we can still do it yeah, I think something that um, on the Eddie Howe thing and manager of the month thing, something that quite amuses me all the time is the outside narrative looking in at Newcastle United and what that seems to be. I mean, chatting around the January transfer window was like, they've got all this money and they signed Dan Byrne <laughs> and they signed Matt Target on loan. What are they doing? They're obviously going to get relegated. And now that Newcastle have pulled away, it's like, well, anyone can stay up oh, if you yeah, spend £90 million. Pounds, million like. Yeah. I mean, everyone on Twitter has made the same comments, but I'll do it anyway. 40 million of that hasn't really played a game. 12 million of that, and probably the best signing at the minute, pound for pound, in Kieran Trippier, has played a few games and then got injured, could be out for the rest of the season. You know, 25 million of that has played up front, and he's, although he's putting in some decent performances now and then, he's probably a downgrade on the other striker that we've got in Callum Wilson when he gets injured. Hasn't scored, not had a massive impact. And then the ones that you know have, you're looking at a, a left back on loan, and big Dan Byrne, who's been absolute giant, but nobody thought, including myself, that he was going to be a, a top top sign. And so, the narrative around Newcastle, it, they can't do anything without getting criticised or just all their achievements getting put down, and that amused me. But yeah, Eddie Howe managing month all day long. I think there's only one manager who's got more like 100% record, and that's Klopp. 
but he's he's with Liverpool. It's vastly different, and it's like you look at for me, look at where we were at the start of the month and end of the month, and there's only one winner. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that, um, and he deserves to win it personally. And this is a completely selfish thing. I actually don't want him to win it because then we'll get the manager of the month curse this month. <laughs> Won't the manager of the month curse be against Chelsea though? We'll probably lose that anyways. Well, uh, hey, Harry, don't, don't No, start we're never going to lose again. I don't know why I even said that. Uh, yeah, exactly. What, what are we doing here, man? <laughs> what are we even doing? Are we, are we, are we talking serious journalistically? Are we talking ludicrous <laughs> fan-wise? Um, no, seriously, um, he, he deserves to win it. He probably will. Ryan Fraser won't win Player of the Month, I don't think. Um, but nice I, to see I him think... nominated, though, isn't it? It's, it just yeah, of course, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you deserve a nomination. Um, but uh, there again, like... Dennis from uh, Watford's had a nomination this season, and like, what's he done? Um, but yeah, it's crazy um, the nomination system for that. That's a completely separate podcast. We won't get into that now. Um, what I will get into though is that um, when Eddie Howe came in, um, we were all like, "Oh yeah," as Dan said, there he's he's going to have the money, and a lot of outside people say he was going to have the money. But there were there were six, seven players that didn't really play a lot of football under Steve Bruce that have come in and played football under Eddie Howe. You're looking like the likes of Fabian Shah. Um, obviously, having Dubravka back is really nice. Fraser and Willock. Like you're looking at those those guys, and Eddie Howe has made them better footballers. They are better players now than them when they were under Steve Bruce. And that is the thing I think that Eddie Howe has really brought in and changed in this team. Yes, he's had influences like Dan Byrne, Kieran Trippier has helped a lot, as um, we kind of saw on the True Geordie podcast when he um, like went on there and spoke so well and eloquently. We, we understood it now. Well, at least I did. I went, I get it now. I get this guy. Um, but I think the way that Eddie Howe has made players better has actually maintained this team and made sure that we, we definitely go towards survival. Yeah, I mean, absolutely agree. It's a lot like what Dan said in terms of the whole narrative of Newcastle have bought their way out of survival. I mean, yes, of course, money's helped, but you know, Bruno has barely kicked a ball. Trippy has been injured. Chris Wood hasn't scored a goal yet. Like Matt Target on loan, they weren't queuing up to sign Dan Byrne. And like we've all just said there, like the individual performances of these players has just shot a massive. I mean, Fabian Shaw couldn't play in the back uh, back two apparently. Arguably one of the most informed centre halves in the league. You know, John Joe Shelby. We thought, nah, he was past it two or three years ago. Performances wise, now you can't take a you can't take him out of the side for Bruno. Even the likes of Jacob Murphy, I think, have, have improved under him. And of course, Ryan Fraser, Joe Linton, now one of the best midfielders in the league. He was a failed striker until Eddie Howe arrived. So much credit for how a magnificent job he has done. Next on the agenda is the trip to St Mary's, a game that is set to be a, a very tricky test, actually, with how well Southampton have played this season. And to talk all about the Saints, we've got Dan Hargraves on. Dan, fantastic to have you on, mate. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, let's get on to Southampton, because I think, I think nearly all of us here probably had you as one of the favourites to go down this season, especially after you know the way that Danny Ings left the club and didn't really replace him. But... What a season you guys are having! Ninth in the table, thirty-five points. It's looking very good, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think we've exceeded everyone's expectations. There's a real mix of kind of expectation going into the new season. I think there was a lot of negativity following Danny Ings' sale. I think it was more the manner of which it kind of happened, in the sense that literally no one knew 
that he was off and he kind of made what, you know, at the time, I don't really think you could call Aston Villa a sideways move. They they were kind of a level above and looking to invest even more. But, you know, when he's linked with teams like Tottenham, Man United, Liverpool, potentially, and he ends up at Aston Villa, I think that was a real kick in the teeth. And, you know, his replacement was kind of either going to be Adam Armstrong for 15 million from the championship. Obviously, he had a very good season last year with Blackburn. Or Armando Brogia, at the time, 19-year-old uh, Loney from Chelsea, who had no Premier League experience. So, yeah, there was every right for opposition fans to think that Southampton would be amongst the relegation fodder. But, yeah, we've kind of turned it around. We've got a really good squad now. Uh, we've got depth. I think Ralph Hasenhüttl's improved massively as a man manager. And, yeah, we're looking, we're looking up the table going into the final months of the season, which, you know, is, um, is a real boost. I mean, usually with Southampton, I don't know whether, you know, I, I've obviously only seen the club from a distance, but I always kind of feel with Southampton, you're safe by like end of March, April, and then you just kind of, it, all the players just go on the beach. Is there any worry about that this season or are the aims still there to, to push for a spot in the top seven? Yeah, no, there's there's definitely concern. I think I think after Saturday, there's definitely <laughs> concern now um, that that could be the case. No, I, I think... I think they've all learned from their mistakes. I think Ralph in particular has definitely learned from his mistakes. Um, last season was an absolute nightmare in the sense of, you know, we we went, we went top of the league for albeit two days and then we were kind of third, fourth in early January and finishing that season 15th was was absolutely woeful. You know, absolutely fell off a cliff and, and more really. So, yeah, there is a concern that we'll repeat kind of what we did last year but I feel like there's a little bit more confidence this year I think you know we're, we're, we're kind of having our best form of the season in the second half as opposed to the first you know we're kind of on that upward spiral and look I, I think it's a real real bit too ambitious to be talking about seventh but it's not impossible of course it's not we've got a really good run of fixtures to end off the season we've been brilliant at home one defeat all season so far at St Mary's so there's no reason why we can't push <laughs> whether we'll get it or not is obviously another question but uh, I, I'd like to think that Saints will be you know looking to finish as strongly as possible the only reason I, I can see that safely happening Dan is is based on what you've said previously the fact that your squad is a lot deeper you've got different threats from all over the pitch now it's not kind of just lump it to Danny Ings and hope hope what happens you've got mm. a man mounting at the back in uh, Salusu who uh, like as Newcastle United fans when we were me- slightly linked with him in January, we were rubbing our hands together going, absolutely, give me him tomorrow. And then you've yeah, got the sure. two wide the two wide men in Livermento and Kyle Walker-Peters who are absolutely phenomenal going forward. Maybe a bit defensive-wise, they're, they're a liability, but them two there. And then you've got the force that's Trey Adams, who is, yeah, hit and miss, but when he's hit, he's one of the best pressing forwards in this league. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think... Uh, you've never um, hit the nail on the head in terms of the fullbacks. I mean, I can't think of a team outside the current top six who have got three fullbacks as good as what we've got. I mean, it, the, the Carl Walker Peters, he's been he's been phenomenal, uh, phenomenal really. Because you think he went into the season as a right back, and he's now had to well, sorry, he had an eighteen-year-old come in and Tino Livermento instantly get a start first game of the season, first couple games of the season. We just replaced Ryan Bertram with a twelve million pound full back uh, left back, sorry, in Roman Perot. But he's then gone 
and made that left back spot his own to keep himself in the team just because Livermento is so good. And then if one of the other is out, then you just bring another one in. The fullback area is so, so impressive. And then, yeah, with striker, we've got three very good strikers, in my opinion. Um, midfield, obviously, Warpowse, Romeo Diallo's a young youngster who's got a bright future, in my opinion. Really, in most positions in the um, in the team, we've got you know two, three options that everyone's comfortable with bringing in. Yeah, and I mean, I, as a Newcastle fan, I, I look forward to taking hopefully a few of you off them in the summer. But we need to get out <laughs> to Newcastle, of course, as this is a Newcastle podcast. And sure. what have you made of this run that we're on at the minute? I mean, eight games mm. unbeaten. We've gone from essentially bottom of the league to to now you're knocking on the door of the top ten. Is that you know we've kind of spoke about. Uh, rival fans and, and people saying that you know the only reason Newcastle are doing so well at the minute is because they've spent ninety million. Is that the perception you've got as a as a no. someone who supports another club? No, 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 no. I, I I don't think it's the case at all. I think the it was always going to take a little bit of time for Eddie Howe to settle in and get his ideas across. I obviously don't get me wrong. I think signing you know someone like Kieran Trippier. I've, I've um, just uh, watched him recently on the True Ge- uh, True Geordie podcast, and it seems like he's a real you know, presence, yeah. a really good, good guy as as well as a very good footballer. Um, but no, I, I think when it comes to the Eddie Howe appointment, it was the right appointment to make. I think it was always going to take a little bit of time, and it's obviously good that Newcastle acted when they did because they had that time for him to settle in. You know, you kind of look at Leeds and Everton right now when you're talking about the relegation scrap, making the appointments they've they've made, and you you do wonder, you know, are they a little bit too late? Um, so I think Eddie Howe was a really good appointment. I, obviously, of course, <laughs> signing ninety million helps. Um, obviously, I'm a you know big fan of what Matt Target's done since he left Southampton. I wasn't a big fan of him when he was down at St Mary's, but I um, I was really pleased to see him do well at Villa. And obviously, he's had a good start with Newcastle. Um, Dan Byrne, really surprised to see him do well. So, look, the signings have helped, but I, I think Eddie Howe is such a good manager. You know, I really liked him when he was at Bournemouth. Obviously, I'm not really allowed to say that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, look, I think with this current run Newcastle are on, it's very similar to Salamden. I think we're actually third and fourth in the current Premier League form table last time I checked. I don't know if that's changed after Saturday. But um, I, who knows? Who, who knows what's... Um, What's the limit for Newcastle in, in the coming weeks? You know, I think it's going to be a really tough game for us on uh, on Thursday night. You know, I mentioned earlier, one defeat all season at home. I think we're on a run of 12 in all competitions unbeaten at home, if you include the FA Cup games against Coventry and West Ham. So, you know, we'll give you a game, of course we will. But I, to be honest with you, besides Man City a couple of weeks ago, I can't think of a team that's going to, real or who I think at least, are going to give us such a threat of um, losing that record as uh, as Newcastle will when uh, when they come down on Thursday. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to bring in the, the Newcastle lads now. And to be honest, I mean, obviously we're on a fantastic run at the minute and we all want to keep that going. But I'd be very, very happy with the points on Thursday. I think especially with the position we're in now, look, 28 points on the board. We probably only need a couple more wins to be safe. We've you know, Dan's just talked about there how, how much of a fortress St Mary's is this season. I think the point would be a very, very good result. I'm just wondering whether anyone wouldn't take that. Oh, absolutely. I'd love a point. I'd take a take a point now just to keep that unbeaten run going, keep the momentum going as well without losing 
and it would be quite similar sort of feeling towards the point we got at West Ham. You know, you're going to a difficult place where they've got a good record and you, you you look like you can compete with a team that's right at the other end of the table. So, yeah, for me, a point would be fantastic. My answer depends on a couple of, uh, on one question I have for Dan, um, actually. Mm. So, um, very quick thing. Um, is the likes of Kyle Walker, Peters and Salusu fit? Yes, they're in training. <laughs> yeah, so they, no, they'll they'll both play. Carl Walker-Peters came on against Villa and Salusu's been pictured in training this week, so they'll be ready. Right, yeah, then I'll take a point. It's all right, Chris Wood will have them. He's going to break his hip on Thursday. <laughs> I need to talk about Ralph Hasenhutl, though, Dan. Very, very, yeah. you know, he's, he's not he's someone who divides opinion, I think, on social media. And Newcastle fans definitely do definitely. not like him after the comments he made about um, us shouldn't be allowed to field our new signings. What do you think on that? And also, I mean, the character of the man as well, because, I mean, he had two 9-0 defeats, and I think a lot of people wrote him off after that, but he, he just seems to be getting better and better every season and for me he's probably one of the best managers in the league yeah I think it's fair to say he's one of the best managers in the league I think given the squad that we've got where we are right now and the form we're in he's definitely in that category at the moment yeah he's had a really weird tenure so far at Southampton you know he came in what was it it was early December of 20 of the 18-19 season Mark Hughes had just had a you know, he should have never been offered the contract he did. And everyone was kind of surprised that we were going for a, a manager from a European league who had Champions League experience recently. Uh, I think everyone was excited. You know, the season, he did, he, well, he did what he needed to do, keep us up that year. The year after after that 9-0, we were excellent. You know, went on to finish 11th. And then there was loads of optimism that the season after, obviously, in the lockdown, that we were going to go... And push on even further and potentially knock on the door of Europe. Of course, up until January of last season, it looked like that was going to be the case. And then we had that dip. So to say he's gotten better as he's gone along, I feel like it's been a bit of a kind of roller coaster, if that makes sense, where he's kind of gone up, dipped slightly. But definitely this season, he's improved massively. And I think it comes down to, or you ask any Southampton fan, they'll say it's down to his man management. You know, just having confidence in his. Um, in his squad players particularly. I think there was a lot of backlash about his team selection for our win in the FA Cup against West Ham last week. I think off the top of my head, it was six changes. It might have even been nine changes. I'm not even joking. It was it was, it was a good handful. <laughs> and a lot of fans weren't happy about it. But the, the, the players he put in, put in a really good shift. And, you know, last season, they wouldn't have played like that for him. You know, the, the ones who haven't been playing in the league, really. So he's definitely improved in that aspect. I think the comments he made prior to the originally arranged fixture, what was it, this, was it the 2nd of just January? After, just before the new year, I think, or maybe just a couple of days after, yeah. So it was, around, it was kind of in that festive period. And I think he was already frustrated that we'd had one game called off um, against Brentford. I think that was supposed to be just before Christmas. Um, and then obviously this one again. And I think... I think I think he had every right to make the points he did. I think the manner in which he did make them was a little bit controversial, um, in the sense that he, it did feel like he kind of went for Newcastle a little bit unfairly. But I think the point he was trying to make was, you know, we've at, at that point we'd seen so many postponements of games in the league, you know, and some of them it did feel like it was more down to injuries as opposed to COVID cases. And I think he was frustrated that 
you know, especially with Saints on a good run at that point, they would have to wait. Who, who At that point, they had no idea. It could have been four months to play Newcastle. And by that point, everyone knew that they were going to recruit and that they would be facing a completely different sort of opposition. So that's where it all came from. So I think he had every right to make the points he did. It's just the manner in which he made them that I think he could have done better with. I mean, if I'm being honest, I would have been fuming if I was him as well. I mean, we had no Wilson, St. Maxman. Obviously, Trippier wasn't there. I mean, like half of our squad was depleted. I mean, to be fair, you would have steamrolled us, but uh, you've probably caught. And us. I think that's the point he was making. Yeah. We were in good form, and Newcastle were down in the bottom. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I just thought the comments were were uh, were quite funny. But we're going to get onto the the score predictions now, which is of course the, the last part of the podcast. And Dan, as you are our guest, you get to mm. go first. It's Southampton. <laughs> it's St. Mary's. What are you going for? You know what? Saturday's completely knocked me. I, I didn't see Saturday coming. Um, I don't think anyone did, to be fair. No, I, it was a really weird one, I'll be honest with you. But um, yeah, no, focusing on this game, I back us to get a result only because, you know, we've been so good at home. You know what? Newcastle fans are going to be really glad to hear this, but I'm going to go for one all. I'll take that. I, I, I don't see us winning this one. I don't know what it is. I just think that we've got so many games coming up in the sense that we've got Watford at home again, Saturday or Sunday, we've got an FA Cup quarter-final at home, and then obviously the remaining league game. So this one, I feel like there might be a little bit of rotation. And yeah, with Newcastle in such good form, I, I think we might struggle to win this one. So I'm going to go one all. Dan, do you think a draw as well, or are you going to go for a more optimistic result? No, no, 1-1 one, one was exactly the score I had in mind as well, to be honest. I think it's obviously really tough game we've touched on that enough times but I just think the momentum Newcastle have got I also think we're, we're likely to see the first 90 minutes from Bruno we'll see what he's all about yeah I, I think momentum will carry us a 1-1 draw I see it playing out in a similar way at the West Ham game like I mentioned before so yeah I 100% agree 1-1 draw um, I am actually going to agree, disagree with all three of you because um, I think Harry's also probably going to go for a draw I'm going 1-1 um, to be fair but a new yeah. signing's going to score I'll just add that in the end for Ralph there we are, man. Uh, there we are. Bruno Gomez just picking a 30 yard and just go, going right in the middle of him with a, um, a, a weird celebration in front of Hassan Hootel. I'll, I'll have it injected in my veins now. Um, but no, I, I was, um, previous this, I was speaking to um, a Saints fan as well um, and just getting uh, his reaction engaged. And he, he was kind of like, well, if we win this game, it kickstarts us on to everything else in our season. The, you know, the FA Cup quarterfinal, as Dan's just mentioned there, the game against Watford to finally send them down and everything <laughs> like that. So I, I personally think I'm okay with us getting beat here and losing the run because then it it, it has massive more effects for not only Southampton's uh, mm. rest of the season, but also for teams below us that they've still got to play. Mm. Thing is, so, like, the, the more games I see Southampton winning, the more I see them on the beach. So I'd rather us just get our business done. I think I, I don't think we'll win this game. To be honest, I think look, Salam, they're a very good side. I mean, we haven't even talked about James Ward-Prowse and the qualities he possesses. I mean, he's he's top my list in the summer, to be honest. Uh, obviously, Brozier <laughs> as well. Of course he is. <laughs> I think he's on top of everyone's list. To be you honest, you guys are getting just, a little bit carried away now, aren't you? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> just a bit. We all get a bit carried away. But what's football without optimism? To be honest, I'm going to go one-one draw again. Um, I think. That's a, that would be a very, very good result for us. And, and like Dan said, a lot like West Ham, really good side. You're playing against away from home. If we can take a point from that, it's, it's just another one gained. And we're not really in a position now where we need to win every week as well, which is also you know, quite nice. The, the pressure's not off, but the players can go in there with a little bit you know, a little bit more relaxed and 
and that sort of thing. But I think that pretty much wraps us up. I mean, Dan, thank you very much, mate, for coming on. Great to chat to you and uh, all the best for Thursday. I do hope you are disappointed, but of course. <laughs> yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank, th- no, thanks for having me. I think it'll be a good game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it will be it'll be a good match as well. And of course, Dan and Alex stands uh, on a plane off to Southampton. It just shows how far away we are from each other. It's going to be a good one, and hopefully, the next time we're on, it probably will be after the Chelsea game because I think you unbeaten run will have come to an end at Stamford Bridge if it doesn't at, at St Mary's. But this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, the rest of the Premier League, the AFL two, you name it, we have got it. From us four lads, thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.